Welcome to the Faceoffs and Fantasy Podcast with your two co-hosts, Sean and Marcus. Welcome to episode 11. Marcus, how are you doing today? Doing great, Sean. Again, I'm sorry for <laughs> not editing the podcast or last episode fast enough, so it'll be coming soon. Bro, how <laughs> could you, man? Man, how, we, we talk too much. You? There's like three to four hours of podcast content that I just have to keep you know, editing and taking out yeah. or listening to yeah. everything. It, it takes a long time. We, we were just reminiscing about this before starting the podcast tonight. But when Marks and I talked about starting this podcast, we originally talked about 45-minute episodes. <laughs> that was our goal. We're like, if we could get 45 minutes, I feel like that would be enough. Like, if, if we could – and we were thinking that we wouldn't be able to hit 45 minutes. <laughs> We were thinking like, oh, maybe thirty-minute episodes. Like, we'll try to we'll try to reach for forty-five though. And here we are, like the last two episodes, over two and a half hours of yeah. of content that Marks has to sift through and go through. I'm like, oh, dude, we hit thirty minutes talking about Team USA in this coming episode. So there's something yeah, to look it, forward to. Thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the past one, people will have heard it before they hear this one, right? That is true. Yeah, so in the previous episode you already listened to, <laughs> you will have noticed that we talked about Team USA for 30 minutes. Yes. Even though Marcus very distinctly has told everyone, Canada is going to win gold. Every other team is garbage. Yep. I'm going to so, stick by that. Yeah. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Marcus, how's, how's your hockey going? We're doing well. Unfortunately, update on Michael, he did not score last game he had he had quite a few chances but he wasn't able to bury it i think i think the other team picked up and realized you know he's not that bad so they played some harder defense on him but unfortunately he didn't score and damn uh, yeah and then for some reason i don't know maybe it's because of wearing a, a red jersey but i was targeted last week i think i got i got checked from behind like into the boards, like just driven into the boards. It was, it's quite surprising considering this is just shinny. Um, on one play, I got tripped and hooked twice, and two of the two of those incidents were from the same player. I was just like, buddy, come on, man, this is just shinny. I, I'm like, I personally barely play defense against people, and I'm getting hooked and tripped and everything on the same play. It was. It was pretty rattling or it was, it was just kind of annoying or just kind of, I was just like, what is going on here? Like, I'm just here to, you know, have some fun, play with my friend. I wasn't expecting to get hooked and, and tripped and everything. It's just. Oh, that, that's the know. worst, man. <laughs> it's the worst. There's always guys in every beer league who think they're still going to the show. And it's, yeah. to me, it's not even that. It's, it's more the aspect of. Man, we all gotta get up and go to work tomorrow. Oh yeah, that's yeah. But, and and some people's jobs are way more physical than others. Like, you know, you like trip a guy, he like falls in the board funny, tweaks his knee, tweaks his back, and then all mm, of a sudden he mm. can't freaking work and support his family and feed his family. It's like, dude, freaking chill out. Yeah, honestly. Or when guys slash you and like break your stick, I'm like, bro, I just <laughs> bought a stick this season. I can't afford yeah. to spend another hundred dollars on a stick. Like. Seriously. The season only cost me 400 bucks. Now I'm expected to buy another stick for $100. Like, yep. dude, 25%. chill out. <laughs> but you pick up on stuff, I guess, too, is like the more you play. This last game that we played in my league, like the team we played against wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. It's a stop time game that we play. So it's two periods of stop time. Yeah. But because we were up by like five or six goals, oh. it was run time. Yeah, yeah. So we're getting towards like 
we're getting towards the end of the second period, which is the last period for us. Mm-hmm. And there's like maybe five minutes left. And I can just tell some of the guys on the other team are starting to get a little chippy. They're a little frustrated. Oh, Team's not doing so hot. Yeah. And there's a couple guys on my team that I'm like, you know, we could we could cool the Jets a little bit here. <laughs> like I don't think we need to be pinching on John, defense. And, stop scoring goals on them, yeah, man. Pinching Relax. on defense and playing behind the other team's net right now as a defenseman. I'm like, I think I think we could chill a little. <laughs> so I do see why they were upset, and certainly I wasn't doing that near the end of the game. But a couple guys on my team, like my friend Kyle, he he kind of almost got hit in like open ice. Yeah, and he came off to the bench, and I was like, "Dude, like I know you haven't played hockey in a while, and just you know, keep your head up. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's only five minutes left. These guys are very frustrated. The game's not going to change. Like, if you just dump the puck in or pass the puck away or give the puck away, we're like, we're winning by like six goals, dude. No one on our team's going to be upset with you, and you got to get up tomorrow. You got to go to work. So exactly, just just keep your head up, bro. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, but yeah, every time, <laughs> without a doubt, there's always there's always one dude on every team. Always, yeah. <laughs> always. Well, yeah, it's just annoying because there's no refs either because we're just playing shinny, so it's. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's. Yeah, I could yeah. see how that be. Yeah, we do have refs in my league, so it's definitely different than yours. Well, the Wednesday is I play like shinny, and that's with Michael, and then Thursday I play in a regular league, and that's so with just refs and everything. Turn around and and just hook the guy back, or <laughs> give him a little give him a little love tap or something. I should. I should. No refs. Yeah. Well, Drop the mitts, man. You can't get suspended. <laughs> yeah, right? Bite him? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, that's disgusting, Sean. I would not do that. Oh, my God. That whole thing was just nuts. I can't believe that actually happened in an NHL game. Yeah. Like, no, a it's, guy it's crazy. bit another guy. Like, bit him. Dude, come on. <laughs> it's the NHL, man. <laughs> you, like, you can't pull it like that in the NHL. Yeah, honestly. So, yeah, that that's interesting, but... He got five games for it, so bye bye Lemieux for five games and okay, so they did suspend him. That's good. Update on that one. Yeah, well, I was listening to a few podcasts, including the Steve Dangle podcast, and mm-hmm. one of the points I think it was Jesse brought up, but he mentioned he was speculating as to why it was only five games, and apparently, if it's over six games, that's when players are able to ask for an arbitration, and oh. then it goes to Gary Bettman after. Yeah. So <laughs> the speculation was. Gary Bettman is dealing with so much stuff right now mm-hmm. that he literally doesn't want to have to deal with this. Yeah. So they decided, let's just give him five games. <laughs> There's no yeah. way that it can be arbitration. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. Can't, it can't they go to arbitration and then, and then go to Gary Bettman for a final decision. Yeah. So that was part of it. Because uh, I, I think, think if, if you go to if you go to arbitration, they can still play, right? Until they decide yeah, what well, the actual punishment is. If you appeal is. a suspension, you yeah. can play while it's being appealed. Yeah, so and exactly. That's, that's so. the case for all sports, I believe. Yeah. I know for sure in the MLB and the NHL that's the case. I probably shouldn't speak for the NFL and the NBA, but uh, most definitely in the MLB and the NHL that's the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was part of it, but I... I'm pretty confident that he is not appealing that case. He is just taking the five games and probably being happy that it wasn't more because I feel like they easily could have suspended him for a lot more than five games for that. Yeah, no, that's that's disgusting. So uh, at least they, at least he got punished. Pretty gross. Yeah. Yeah. Especially yep. now, you know, in this day and age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, <laughs> you just know, there's you a just pandemic think that's... going around. You really shouldn't be like swapping. <laughs> Two minutes, you can't do that. Saliva or bodily fluids or, you know, blood. Because he drew blood, didn't he? So Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. And it's funny because 
they were talking about the NHL's player safety. I don't know if it's called committee or whatever it is. Yeah. They released a video statement essentially discussing or, or describing why they suspended him. Mm-hmm. And allegedly, they only suspended him for biting one of Kachuk's hands. But the hand that they suspended him for biting was the hand he wasn't bleeding on. Oh, really? Yeah. So apparently, he bit his left hand first, didn't draw blood. That's yeah. the one that's on video that they can clearly see. So that's oh. the one they used as the evidence. Yeah. So they suspended him for that. So he bit and, both hands. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't get to and see. And then the he bit video, his right but... hand and drew Jeez. blood. <laughs> yeah, apparently, the players' NHL safety committee decided that there was no video evidence to prove that he bit his right hand. Also, oh, wow. even though <laughs> there was clearly a bite mark with blood coming out of his hand. So would he get suspended for each bite? <laughs> no, but Is that I a think... different. I think part of the argument for why he only got five games and maybe not more is because they, they only, they Mm -hmm. only did it for the one. Yeah. I I don't know. No, I know. I'm just joking. I'm just saying like, is each bite a different infraction? So could he technically get 10 games, but five games for each bite (laughs) and therefore they don't go to. No, I think it would be like three games for the left hand because no blood was drawn and then seven games for the right hand because there was blood. Yeah. Yeah. For a total. No, but I'm saying that way. You don't have to go to Gary Bettman. It just be there's no arbitration. It's just five and five. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, I don't think that's no. How it I works. know. I think they would probably <laughs> count it as the same incident. So yeah, yeah, for sure. And also, but I'm saying I, the I, bite is technically a different incident. Right? <laughs> yeah, each one. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Apparently, his defense was he punched me in the mouth hard enough that it drew blood. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> that was his argument. <laughs> Lemieux does he have a mouth guard on? I don't know. Not all guys wear mouth guards. Oh, true, true. Yeah, it depends on the player, to be honest with you. Someone Fair like enough. the Mew might not, or maybe yeah. it fell out when they were on the ground. Well, I mean, if you're anyone like JVR, it's just hanging out on the side of your mouth. Patty Kane, too, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just hanging out the Not side really of your mouth. doing anything. <laughs> They're just chewing yeah. on it. That was always the funniest thing growing up when I used to play tournaments in the U.S. Mm-hmm. When we went to the United States, it was mandatory to wear a mouth guard. Yeah. But it wasn't mandatory to wear a neck guard. Oh, really? And then when the United States teams came to Canada to Canada to play us in our tournaments, yeah. it was mandatory to wear a neck guard, but not a mouth guard. So they'd have to like buy neck guards? <laughs> yeah. Just have somebody scalping neck guards at the pro shop? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. 50 bucks, 50 bucks. They would always have those like really flimsy and like thin ones. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The ones that don't have like the semicircle underneath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, the- just like a, a straight line across that where you can like clearly see skin below and oh, above yeah, it. for sure, for sure. And you're like, man, <laughs> what is the point of wearing that? It's because it was mandatory. They had yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was always funny though. Yeah, no, that's... That's cool. I didn't. I didn't. Well, I didn't play any tournaments, so I can't speak for that. But that's funny that it's like reversed. Yeah, just like small little rules that change here and there. Mm-hmm. And who knows? Maybe like maybe state by state, it was different. I'm not sure, but certainly when we played in New York, that was the case. Yeah, and and Pennsylvania, I guess, in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. I believe it was both of those places. True. Yeah. Anyways, all right. Well, Marcus wanted to talk a little bit about a big time contract that was signed. Eight years, 64 mil, so eight times eight. Uh, Jack Hughes from the New Jersey Devils played three games at the beginning of the season and got injured and was out for, well, I want to say six weeks-ish. And before he came back, the day before he came back for his first game, signed an eight times eight uh, deal. So, yeah, that was big. 
he's still young. He was a first overall pick three drafts ago now. 2019. So it was Owen Powers last year, Lafrenier mm-hmm. the year before that, and then Jack Hughes the year before that. Yeah. Three seasons ago, they had the first overall pick and they selected Jack Hughes. So he's a couple years into his NHL career at this point. He hasn't played a ton of games because he's been injured. I'm pretty sure it's around 100 games. I don't think he's played much much more than that. He's played 122 NHL games. Yeah, 122 games, eight times eight. That's a, that's a big contract. But I guess they're betting on him being a first overall pick. They're betting on, I guess, the bloodline too. I'm going to yeah. go ahead and bring that up because Quinn Hughes. Quinn Hughes is a phenomenal NHL player. Just got paid big time. I think they have and another the younger brother. brother yeah. yeah. Also, he was drafted this past offseason to the New Jersey Devils. Mm, so Jack Hughes and his younger brother are going to be on the same team. What do you think about the deal, Marcus? <laughs> I think that's a lot of money. I think, yeah, definitely they are betting or banking or hoping, you know, that he lives up to his first overall potential. Like his first season, his rookie season was, was kind of rough. He had 61 in 61 games. He had 21 points, seven goals and 14 assists. And he was a minus 26. And then yeah. last season he did improve 56. New Jersey games. was pretty bad, bro. Yes. No, that is, that is true. I mean, only, two seasons prior to his draft, they also had the first overall pick and they selected Nico Heischer, who's mm-hmm. now their captain. And I think they signed him to a, pretty decent deal as well right out of his uh, entry level I, I believe he's making 7.25 over seven years so yep. that's that's just just over uh 50 million like 50 million seven hundred fifty thousand. yeah still less than jack hughes yes yeah but i think going into the draft even like if you look at the leading up to the draft jack hughes was very highly touted like he was you know, he are, they already knew he was going to be first overall like a season or two seasons ago. Whereas I think yeah. Nico Heischer kind of came out of nowhere. He was like, it was him and uh, Nolan Patrick, I think. Yep. They were, they were, or Nolan Patrick was kind of the consensus number one for a, he a long for time. He was for a long time. Yeah. yeah. And then kind of, I guess New Jersey really liked Nico Heischer and they selected him first overall. And Nolan Patrick went to Philadelphia and this offseason, he was traded to Vegas. So, anyways, well, I'm getting off the point. In, in terms of Heischer's draft year, we can decidedly say, as our friend Alex likes to say, but the opposite. It was not <laughs> a very deep draft that year. No, I don't think it was, it was quite as deep as other drafts. Draft as years. the Jack Hughes draft, perhaps. Yeah. So, so. deep drafts is Alex's specialty. Yeah. <laughs> and and most certainly the Heischer draft was not something that Alex was hype about. So not the most uh, deep draft that we've seen in a while. Well, advice from Alex is, oh, this year is going to be a deep draft, eh, boys? <laughs> yeah, deep, deep draft. Deep draft. So going back to Jack Hughes, I think it's a lot of money to pay for him. But I think that he can live up to that contract. I don't think he's obviously at that level as yet. But he definitely has been improving, and he really, he really did look good at the beginning of the season. As Sean can attest, having him on his fantasy team, he definitely was keeping an eye on him. It's great that he's getting paid, and we hope that you know he lives up to this contract and exceeds, exceeds it, and making it a, a very good value contract, if anything. Yeah, pretty crazy to say out loud, eight times eight, that that could become a value contract. Yeah, but I think you're right. He's he was absolutely supposed to be the first overall pick 
was the first overall pick, has a ton of talent. It sounds like, by all accounts, he is waiting to break out. And I feel like the injury was just really bad timing this year because mm-hmm. I certainly think the three points in three games, he was getting off to a hot start. He threw a stick into the crowd after that OT winner. That was oh, yeah. such a nice goal. I do and I feel that. like he was just <laughs> getting his swagger going. And yeah, you, you can see this kid's ready to break out. So, And yeah, his his younger brother, Luke, like we mentioned earlier, Luke Hughes was also drafted to the Devils, fourth overall this past draft. So it's clearly a talented family as Quinn Hughes, Jack Hughes, and Luke Hughes. I believe there is even a fourth brother, Riley Hughes, who might be coming up as well. I'd have to look into his specifics a little more, but yeah. Yeah. Are they going to be like the next Stahl family? <laughs> yeah, maybe the Stahl brothers. Yeah, yeah. that's a possibility. Although ho- hopefully for Riley, he pans out a little better than Jared Stahl. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> uh, yes, of course. All right, moving on, Marcus. We, uh, I just wanted to talk quickly. We, we discussed uh, in detail the two players uh, last week. We were discussing the, the aspect of guys getting sent down with big contracts. So we were talking about Matt Murray and uh, Evander Kane. I just wanted to just uh, follow up a little bit because <laughs> I was a little surprised to see some of, some of the news that came out specifically from those two players. I, I thought the reactions, let's call it, from the two players – was a little questionable at best. So Matt Murray, for example, he was interviewed after being sent down to the minors. Uh, He was not claimed on waivers, so he was sent down to the minors. And he basically said he felt like he was blindsided and he felt like he was being blamed for the general lack of success in Ottawa. And so he was kind of trying to pass off the blame onto the team versus him as an individual. This is a guy in roughly 30 to 35 starts who has an 890 save percentage in the NHL. So, you know, he's won two Stanley Cups. For the Cups. Ottawa Senators. This is for yeah, the Ottawa for Senators. the Ottawa Senators specifically. He's won two Stanley Cups. He had some phenomenal seasons when he was in Pittsburgh. He clearly was starting to slow down near the end of his tenure in Pittsburgh. And then since arriving in Ottawa has basically done nothing. He has been really, really bad. His numbers have been really, really poor. I mean, I'm going to give him a bit of an out in the context of, yeah, the Sens weren't always the strongest team, but I think it's pretty obvious that he was not providing any type of goaltending for them. And as bad as they have been, they should not be doing as poorly as they are. And I feel like a lot of that does land on defense slash goaltending. It's not that you expect him to go out there and have a 915 or 920 save percentage playing for the Ottawa Senators, but come on, you figure at least a 9.05 to like maybe a 9.10. It was just really funny. Well, not funny, I guess almost sad a little bit, but it was kind of odd to hear him be upset about it and then kind of saying, oh, I don't understand why. It's like, dude, come on, like, look at your numbers. I mean, I think anyone can say why you're being sent down at this point. So it's a tough situation, but uh, I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't overly convinced by his his little plea there of, well, it's not me, it's the team. I don't know if you saw that one, Marcus, or... No, I didn't see it, but I think, uh, you know, from his perspective, you know, he's got to have pride in his game. So I'm not saying he he shouldn't be sent down or anything, but I think he's just trying to be prideful or, you know, just trying to be like, save face in a sense and potentially just state a case. Maybe somebody else will be like, oh, I like his gumption and pick him up or something, but... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
it's funny. I think maybe I related it a little to the next one, which is Evander Kane. Evander Kane also, he he, he had a, a little spiel there where they interviewed him and he's like, yeah, you know, I showed up to the AHL team and I did everything the exact same that I did it in the NHL. And, you know, there didn't seem to be any issues. So uh, I guess uh, I guess uh, I don't really understand why there's all this all of a sudden this conversation about bad vibe or, you know, me being a bad teammate in the change room. And the whole time I was listening to it, I was just like, I guess this is him essentially telling everyone to screw off. And he has zero interest in changing in any way, shape, or form to try to accommodate or to make his teammates feel more comfortable in the change room. This was basically him saying, no, I showed up to the AHL. I do me. I did what I did all the time. And, you know, if they don't like it, then too bad for them. And so I almost, not to the same degree, but I almost kind of got that defensive, that same defensive mindset from Murray where it was like, well, you know, the team's bad. It's not just me. The team's bad. And I'm like, man, you know, just, just take ownership right now. Like your numbers aren't great. Kane literally had 49 points in like 56 games for them last year. He was their leading scorer. The fact that nobody in that dressing room wants him back, even after putting up those kinds of numbers, like, come on, man, you're, you're trying to sit here and say, oh, I don't know. Like I didn't, I didn't hear about any of this. I didn't know that anybody had an issue with me or the things that I've been doing. It's like, dude, come on, like cry me a river here. There's no way you didn't know. There's no way you weren't aware of it. And the fact that this is your comment of basically, no, I just showed up. I did me, you know, I'm just going to keep doing me and that's it. You're, you're basically telling everyone, I don't care what you say. I don't care if you think I'm a problem. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And clearly that's not working for him. So I just don't understand where these two guys are coming from. I know it sucks. I know it's an ego thing. I'm sure. Cause they've been so successful in this league, but I feel like at this point, you kind of just got to be like, yeah, you know what? I'm not doing the best. I'm not being the best me I can be. And I'm going to try to do what I can to get back to that. And that's it. And you just kind of move on from there. Yeah. I think it's like we we're saying, it's an ego thing. It's it's hard to admit that, you know, right away, you know, maybe hopefully next week they may change their uh, tune. So, oh, well, we'll see. Well, we'll definitely keep tabs on it. I mean, I don't. It is what it is. If that's what he wants to go with, that's how he wants to conduct himself or say that he he handled the situation, then that's how he did it, right? I think the Evander Kane one's a little I think he might have a partial no move clause, no? Uh, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent familiar with his contract. I can Yeah, I'd have to look into it, but it was a seven times seven and I'm pretty confident that there is a partial no move in there. So there's uh, allegedly there's some interest in his availability, but it sounds like any team who's willing to try to trade for him is is basically telling the San Jose Sharks, I'm only doing it if you retain half the salary, which is the most any team could possibly retain in a trade. So we'll see what happens. He is good at hockey and puts up ridiculously good numbers and clearly is a productive top six winger. But we mentioned it last week, and I'll just reiterate it one more time. This might be one of those things where it's addition by subtraction. Based on what's coming out of the change room, based on what the players are saying about the situation, it might just be one of those. Yeah, so Vander Kane does have a modified no-movement clause. He has to submit a list of three teams that he can be traded to. So that's that's a pretty... Mm pretty big clause or pretty three three teams. of a possible 31 yeah because he's on the 32nd team yep damn that's, that's a lot of power in his hands that is a lot of power in his hands wow and i mean he's still getting paid so 
I feel like it doesn't really matter that much. Yeah, he's in the AHL. I'm sure he wants to be back in the NHL, but mm-hmm. yeah. All right, moving on to the next topic here. Marcus, did you see the hit that Ernie laid on Beauvillier? Yeah, it was it was a good hit. I think he, unfortunately, Beauvillier got a suicide pass from his defenseman. I think it was like, it was like from the blue line and uh, for the defensive blue line, I guess, for the Islanders. And then he hit Beauvillier in movement and or the passes, that is. And then Ernie just stopped him basically right before the blue line, just stood him crunched. up and crunched him. You know, Open ice, crunched it was, him. It was a really good hit. It was really Beauvillier's good glove came off like... <laughs> it was nuts. Love stick went flying. It was it was a good hit. It reminds <laughs> me of that Dane Cook's uh, skit where he talks oh, about yeah. when people get hit by cars and yes. it, he all he <laughs> wants to hear or see is the shoes go flying. Yeah. <laughs> when I saw the glove pop off, that's immediately where my mind went. <laughs> I was like, oh damn! You know he got hit hard because his glove just went flying. Yeah. There's so much momentum that uh, you know he stopped him in his tracks and the, the glove kept had kept go kept the momentum and kept going. So yeah. <laughs> it literally looked like he ran into a brick wall. Yeah. Like he was skating and then all of a sudden just boom. But yeah, he did, it was a he big did stand hit. up right after. So, I mean, he didn't look injured, which is good. I mean, anytime, anytime <laughs> you get lit up like that. Yeah. But it was just an interesting thing because I know it, it kind of rekindles that conversation as always about when, when do you have to answer the bell in the NHL? And, you know, there's a lot of times where there's some questionable hits or there's some questionable things that happen on the ice where, you know, last week we freaking saw a guy bite another guy on the ice, right? Or you saw Panarin literally throw a glove at a guy on the bench, right? There's some <laughs> some interesting things that happen in the league, but this is one of those times where, to me, it was just a nice open ice hit. Dude got caught with his head down. In all fairness, all of the things that's being lost about all this is Whoever his defenseman was, that was 100% the defenseman's fault for making that pass because he totally left him in a vulnerable position where he could absolutely get lit up in that case. So that was a light him up pass, man. He threw it where he shouldn't have threw it. The defenseman caught him with his head down, and that was just an open ice hit. That's exactly what it was. And the reason I mentioned it's rekindling those conversations is because as soon as that hit happened, Ernie had to fight somebody. Somebody on the Islanders went right away over to him and and basically dropped the gloves and made him answer the bell. But answer the bell for what? You know what I mean? It's I get protecting the star players. I get sticking up for your teammates. I understand all that. But it was a legal check. It wasn't an illegal check. It wasn't dirty in any way. It wasn't questionable in any way. There was no penalty call on it. It was just a clean hit. Yeah, I I agree with you. I mean... I guess because it was a big hit, you know, that he, he just wanted to step in. I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah. hard. I don't know the, I guess, or, you know, what determines it. You know, sometimes, you know, it maybe it's your, you know, your really good friend. I mean, most, you know, teammates, your teammates are your teammates. But obviously, uh, you're closer to some other teammates usually. And maybe he's just like, oh, yo, I can't have that happen. I got to stand up for my friend regardless. Yeah. You, you know what? In all fairness, it did remind – well, it's obviously a way different situation, but even when that happened last year with Corey Perry and John Tavares, like was, that yeah, freak accident that happened that. on the ice, and then Felino fought Perry right away. And a lot of people asked him, like, why did you do that? And, like, why did Perry answer the bell? It was clearly an accident. There wasn't any malicious intent behind it. And, and Felino's answer was just simply, that's my captain laying on the ice. 
I can't just sit there and do nothing. Exactly. And so one thing I was I was actually scrolling through on our Twitter, Faceoffs Fantasy. I was scrolling through Twitter and I was looking at some of the reactions from some of the people based on the hit. And one one good point that was brought up on the other side, because I, I personally feel like it was just a clean hit and I feel like there wasn't any need to fight afterwards. But one of the arguments defending the fight was the bigger context of the New York Islanders right now. This is a team that has lost 11 straight games. This is a team that's at the bottom of the standings who were just in back-to-back conference finals. This is a team that had Stanley Cup aspirations, and they very clearly are not living up to that right now. And they, I think they're just in a big-time rut. And maybe this was one of those times where one of the better players on the team who is still doing all right just got lit up and... It's one of those things where nothing's going right right now. So maybe at the very least you can kind of stand up for your teammates and and try to help out in that way. Yeah. Like you said before, the, they should be in panic mode. And I think I agree with you now. They should be in panic mode, especially after <laughs> if they're losing 11 Marcus, in a row. <laughs> it's only a quarter of the way into the season. There's so much time left. Well, man. you know, if you've lost 11 in a row, I think that's definitely panic mode. <laughs> you know, maybe beginning of the season, the Leafs, you know, they lose four or five or whatever it was. And so people started here, to panic, but here you know, was the one <laughs> argument for why people shouldn't panic. It was because they played so many games on the road mm-hmm. and they hadn't played at home yet. Yeah. Do you want to know what their record is right now at home, Marcus, in six games? Oh, and six. Oh, three and three. Okay. <laughs> they have no wins, not yeah. won at the UBS arena, which is the mm-hmm. new arena that they built. They have not won, year, won there yet. So, yeah, it's it's one of those things where this team, I think, is just in a bad place and maybe that hit was just kind of the the last string for some of those guys and I still disagree I feel like there should not have been a fight I think Ernie just caught a guy with his head down it's the NHL hitting is legal hell fighting is legal you can literally drop gloves and fist fight somebody and it's not against the rules so I just saw that as a nice open ice hit I mean again to me that defenseman who made the pass He's the one at fault. He's the one who should have gone over there and maybe fought. He's the one who should be answering the bell, if anything. But I think it's his own teammates and his, especially his coaching staff that should be getting pissed at him for making a dumb pass like that. It's true. Also, Sean, similar to the Felino Perry Mindset. Tavares, they just saw it from what like the split second that it happened. They don't have the chance to watch a replay, see like it in slow mo, and if it's a clean hit or not. I don't think they, cause he just went and fought him right away. You just see a hit, you know, that guy was like, I got to fight. I got to fight or stand up for him. That's my friend. That's my teammate. You know, he's on the ground right now. So regardless if you don't know if it's clean or if it's dirty, right. It just is so quick. It's so quick. I I could see that for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I I could see that. Felino and Perry, they, they didn't see what happened. Like, I don't think it was on the jumbotron. The the only reason I think this is a little different is because, I don't know. I, well, I'm sure okay, it's the yeah, same he wasn't thing injured, views. and John Tavares wasn't, you know, basically. No, no. Well, the <laughs> I'm saying the reason this is a little different is actually because of where the puck is. Mm-hmm. Like the Tavares thing was kind of behind the play, and not a lot of people saw it. Whereas this was, man, like a pass was made, the guy had the puck, and all of a sudden he just got lit up. Like most people true. are watching where yeah. the puck is on yeah. the ice. So I would think most players, whether on the bench or actually on the ice were looking at the guy who got hit in that case but yeah i know what you mean sometimes it's just that split second and 
you know, sometimes you just make a decision in a split second where you skate over to Ernie and maybe Ernie's expecting somebody to drop the gloves in. Yeah. Maybe you weren't actually going to fight him. Maybe you were just going to, who knows, right? There's a whole bunch of things. But I will say, I think the refs got it right. And they actually did give the additional penalty to the Islanders. So the guy who went over to fight Ernie got an extra penalty yeah. for being the third man and for instigating. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. So yeah. they, they did get penalized for it as well. Mm-hmm. But anyways, speaking of Detroit, Marcus, speaking of the Detroit Red Wings, we're going yeah. to shift gears here a little bit. Lucas Raymond. You know who Lucas Raymond is, Marcus? Yeah, fifth yeah. overall Detroit draft pick, not first. <laughs> <laughs> not first, but you know what? They hit anyway, so it's fine. Um, he currently is the front runner for the Calder Trophy. And Marcus, for those listeners who don't know what that is, cause can you explain it real quick? Calder Trophy is the trophy awarded to the best rookie player in the NHL who's under 26 and hasn't yes. played 25 games in a prior season. Exactly. So a lot of logistical things, which it is what it is. But anyways. Not Michael Bunting? Well, Michael Bunting is eligible for the Calders, but oh, he is, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, because he didn't play very many games for Arizona last year. No, no. Although he's like twenty-five, <laughs> which yeah, is I, I that saw a picture silver on... lining where I think, like, for example, Panarin when Panarin won Calder, he's like twenty. He was like twenty-four or twenty-three years old. Whereas yeah, he's competing it was his against first year eighteen-year-olds, nineteen-year-olds, and it's just like, why? Why is he eligible for the Calder? So. Some people don't agree with the Calder rules, but technically it was his first year in the NHL. Yep. Yeah, it was his first year in the NHL. That's what it was. But yeah, certainly for Panarin, he came over from the KHL. So he had professional experience, just not in the NHL. So, But anyways, the reason I'm bringing this up is we've talked about the Olympics. Team Sweden put in their 55-man roster to the Olympic committee. And Lucas Raymond's name was not on that 55-man roster. That means Lucas Raymond is not currently eligible to even essentially try out for or be invited to camp to make Team Sweden. That is a huge mistake by the Swedish Olympic Committee because this kid clearly is good enough to be on Team Sweden and should be part of the Olympic team this year and moving forward. I don't think they were expecting him as a teenager to do the things that he's doing, but not putting him on the 55-man roster essentially made it so that he is ineligible because the guys who were put on the 55-man roster, they are immediately put on a certain regiment where they have to do certain testing to be eligible to play in the Olympics because the Olympics has different testing and they have different substances that are considered illegal compared to the NHL. So the fact that he wasn't put on the 55-man roster, it's not a simple, oh, you know, we changed our mind, we want to add him. The guys who have been on that list for other teams have already started testing and have already been doing testing for the Olympics up to this point. So he's actually missed out on those things, and that's the issue leading up to the Olympics that are coming up. So people were talking about Team Sweden has asked the Olympic Committee for an exemption here. They want to be able to add him to that list. But I don't think it's going to happen. So, I mean, it shows that they've already <laughs> kind of changed their mind from prior. I don't know when they had created this list. You never know. They, The GM of Team Sweden could have already made this list way back in September. 
right before the season started and it was just a matter of submitting it and maybe one or two tweaks or something like that you never know or they could have a different philosophy i mean i'm i don't know the the list per se but they may just want to have a lot more veteran presence and you know <laughs> i'm not I, I don't know for I, sure but I, I appreciate you trying to save some face yeah. for the swedish yeah. olympic roster here man but i mean i don't see how I don't see how Lucas Raymond playing across from Willie Nylander is a bad thing. No, for sure. I don't get me wrong. I think <laughs> not. I think they're missing think out on a good team, talent. I feel like he could actually be on the top line. Yeah, for sure. So, they're missing out on a good talent. I don't. Don't get me wrong, but I. You never know what their thought process was, and they've already, like you said, they tried to ask for an exemption. They've already tried to rectify their mistake. mistake? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let's let's call it what it is. It was obviously a mistake to the point where now, yes, you're right. They're trying to change it. So anyways, we'll see what happens. But yeah, Lucas Raymond, what a stud. He's been playing unbelievable, uh, not to mention Marit Sider. He just had a, another overtime winning goal. So apparently he's like one of or if not the youngest defenseman to have two overtime winning goals in a season. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Not a first overall pick, Sean. No, no, not not at all. But yeah, you know, sometimes you don't need those first overall picks to hit because uh, when Stevie Y is your freaking general manager, it's true. <laughs> that, that guy's going to build a contender no matter what. So I'm not surprised to see that the fifth and sixth picks that he got are doing as well as they're doing because, uh, yeah, it's Stevie Y. So here, here it comes. But sorry, Bubba. Uh, sorry, Marcus. But uh, I think I'm going to win that bet. Buffalo and Ottawa. I don't think are going to be anywhere near <laughs> Detroit over the next few seasons, uh, specifically because of Eisman. Matt Murray is going to rebuild his game in the AHL, <laughs> and you will see, Sean. You will see. Oh, man. That, <laughs> Matt Murray's is... got two Stanley Cups. Yeah. It's two more than Steve Eisman has as a GM. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, Eisman really should be credited with those, uh, with those cups there. But, Marcus, the Ottawa Senators right now have 13. 13 points 13 points mm -hmm. now they have three games in hand which could potentially be an additional six points so let's say they win all three of those games they're at 19 points marcus do you know what what detroit has right now in 25 games nope 29 points <laughs> so even if ottawa goes three and zero in their next three games detroit is 10 points ahead of them in the standings currently 16 points ahead of them in the standings so um yeah sean toronto was first in the north division last season and they didn't make it to the <laughs> eastern conference finals yeah what's your what, what's the argument here you're saying oh detroit's got so many more points than ottawa but they're still not in the conference finals or stanley cup whatever the bet is i don't remember oh no no yeah yeah no my my bet was they're gonna make the third round of the playoffs before ottawa okay so the conference finals yeah but the argument on the flip side of that was well ottawa's further along in their rebuild and so this is me disproving that theory ottawa clearly is not further along in their rebuild if they have 13 points in 22 <laughs> games whereas the red wings have 29 points in 25 games I would actually. I, I mean, argue I don't that. really care. I think I'm the one cheering for Buffalo here. So yeah, Buffalo really <laughs> fell off, man. They're they're at 19 points, so they're they're 10 points behind Detroit right now as well. Yeah, and they that's six more than Ottawa. <laughs> that is very true, Marcus. That is very true. All right, 
Moving on, we were talking about uh, Marit Sider scoring in overtime again. Well, did you see the overtime goal by Steven Stamkos the other night, Marcus? Yeah, it was a beauty. <laughs> oh, man, that was that was hilarious. It was a gorgeous goal, but how often do you see a guy on a two-on-one in overtime not even consider looking over for a pass? He's just down at the circle, winds up, takes a clapper, with nobody obstructing the view of the goaltender and just top cheese right over Swayman's shoulder. It still fooled him. <laughs> oh, it's uh, it's because nobody does it. <laughs> he, yeah, it, it. He wasn't. I don't expecting know. If, it. Did you Swayman almost like push? He pushed to the the right, so it it seemed like he was already kind of thinking pass. So I guess how Stamkos's shot looked, it could have been a slap pass. So he was already like pushing over to the to the right but yeah obviously not i guess that's <laughs> true it just in retrospect it just looks funny because it did not look like he had any intention of passing that puck at Stamkos all Stamkos was just playing some nhl some, honestly that's it because <laughs> some retro nhl just i'm clapping this it doesn't matter what, exactly it doesn't matter who i can pass to the one thing i'll say too is this was this was overtime so it's three on three so if he misses the net there's a good oh, chance yeah. that puck's wrapping around and then Boston's going the other way on a two-on-one. So Boston just had a breakaway, though. Yeah. Like, Pasternak had a breakaway, and I think he missed the net, and then they pushed the puck up to Stamkos, and it was a two-on-one. Stamkos was like, oh, yeah, watch this. (laughs) Yeah. I don't need to deke. Oh, he just – that was was incredible, Marcus. That was incredible. Very nice um, shot. You know, that's why I have Stamkos uh, starting for Team Canada, you know? That's why I put him in my starting roster because we want, we got to see that in, <laughs> in the Olympics. I want to see him go down on Team USA and just clap over Hellebuck's shoulder on a two-on-one. Yeah. Okay. Did you see Connor McDavid's hit yesterday or the day before? Oh, the boarding penalty that he got tossed yeah. for? Yeah. Yes, I, d- I did see that. I think the crazy thing is, though, like they were losing two-to-one. And then they that was like I think six minutes left in the third period when Connor McDavid got the penalty. And then they proceeded to like Edmonton proceeded to just fall apart and ended up losing five one. So Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he he's he's what makes that team go, man. Yeah. If we've said it <laughs> once, we've said it a hundred times. I respect the hell out of Dreisaitl. I think he's a fantastic player, but I, I just that team is nothing without McDavid, man. Yeah, it just shows, goes to show. I mean, he, he got a penalty with like six minutes left or got ejected from the, the game, and then they just proceed to fall apart. I mean, L.A. in turn, because he got ejected, got a five-minute power play that does not end if they score a goal. So, yeah, they got they had a five-minute, five-on-four advantage. So, yep. that, that could definitely help score or, you know, Add some more points to the total, but oh yeah, that was uh, what was that? That was a few, few. Oh man, maybe five years now. When did that happen in the playoffs? That really bad major penalty they called. Oh yeah, that was then, the. Uh, I think that San Jose. The, the Sharks got a five-minute power play Vegas. and scored like four goals against Vegas and ended up winning, even though it was very obviously not a penalty. Yeah, because he he just like fell awkwardly and his helmet cut him and he was bleeding. Uh, I think yeah. it was. Was it Couture or 
Pavelski. Yeah, I, I don't remember exactly who it was, but yeah, that was that was brutal. Yeah, absolutely, definitely brutal. that changed the game oh it changed the series Edmonton yeah well it changed the series yeah no for sure yeah because I swear uh, Vegas was up like 4-1 in the game and then they ended up losing mm-hmm. 5-4 6-5 or something like that yeah something crazy well Edmonton wasn't winning but they were only down 2-1 and then they end up losing 5-1 I know this because I had Koskinen in the net yeah man it was looking okay I was like oh it's only 2-1 you know maybe I'll get a decent goals against average and some decent save percentage and that all just yeah went to the toilet yeah that's the problem <laughs> with uh with Edmonton's goalies man they they even games they win they usually win like 5-3 or 6-5 or they just score more goals than the other team but yeah. they certainly yeah. their defense is let's say questionable and it did not help that Nurse was out for I think 6 games oh yes yeah your boy Nurse all I don't have him this season, so I know, but you still like him <laughs> next year. I do. I yes, <laughs> next year, man. It's always next year. Exactly. Okay, moving on. So you know, we're talking. We're talking about Edmonton. We're talking about the Pacific Division. I just wanted to shout out the Anaheim Ducks. This is a team that that keeps chugging along here. I think as the season goes on, there's going to continue to be people who who doubt them and doubt them and doubt them as we go forward, but. Man, this this team is playing good. Like they're still in third place in that division. They're not going away. They keep getting points. Dude, they're only two points behind Edmonton. Now I know Edmonton wow. has a couple games in hand, but like it's pretty early in the season still. Twenty five games in. This team not only has a chance to make the playoffs, and I think the way they've been playing, they're certainly a playoff caliber team. Like they could potentially push for the top spot in this division too. Before the season started, Marcus. Did you even consider Anaheim as a top, I don't know, three team in this division? No. I don't think either no, of us but picked them to make the playoffs no. or to be top no. three in the division. So, <laughs> yeah, this this is a big-time surprise. This is a really big surprise. Um, I know Vegas is starting to slowly catch up now. They are at 28 points, so they're only two points behind Anaheim, and they do have a game in hand. But Vegas is still not quite there. They're 14-10. and 10. The problem with Vegas is they're just, when they lose, they lose in regulation. They're not picking up any extra points. Like, mm. none. None whatsoever. Yeah. Like, Calgary's 15, 5, and 5. So, if you actually look at the record, they're 15 wins and 10 losses. And Vegas has 14 wins and 10 losses. So, you think they would be, like, very similar in points. But they're not because Calgary has 5 OT losses or shootout losses. Yeah. As we said at the beginning of the the season in our predictions we kind of mentioned that it's a weaker division so i think definitely anaheim is taking that opportunity or seizing that opportunity and and capitalizing it on this season they're definitely riding their young kids they're playing them a lot and they're doing really well in in troy terry and trevor zegris trevor zegris definitely you know he's after that i guess june the junior performance that he had yeah for team usa he's yeah, he's really, you know, just skill, dude. Skyrocketed that, and that guy or, with the puck on his stick. Whew. Yeah, he's got tons of confidence and he's just riding his skill and everything. He's just he's a stud. Yeah, he he's going to be good for a long time. You know, it's because I'm looking at the standings right now. I just I just have to mention it, but the Blackhawks, Marcus, and the Kraken <laughs> have identical 9-13 and 2 records right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
There you go. <laughs> so it looks like we're both equally bad at picking teams uh, for the playoffs. So, man, my biggest regret for that preseason predictions is I said one of Calgary or Vancouver is going to bounce back, but I picked Vancouver. <laughs> oh, that that is not not a good pick at all. I wish I went with Calgary instead. A lot of people thought Vancouver though. Well, it was one of the two. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> certainly certainly picked the wrong one. That's for sure. All right. Well. Just wanted to shout out Anaheim, and uh, you mentioned Troy Terry's name, another young guy who's having a great season. Dude, he was a fifth-round pick in 2013. Wow. Talk about developing, taking your time, coming to the show, and then showing up. Like That's some really good value. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> crazy. That's nuts. So we'll see what happens, see if he continues continues it, see if it's like a one-year kind of hit or if – or if he actually is that good and uh, he's going to continue to be like that for seasons to come now. That'd be a nice piece for them moving forward if that's the case. For sure. All right, Marcus, let's get to some of the, let's say, not as good topics in the NHL right now. A few of the things that happened is uh, some firings that went down and also it sounds like there are some people on the trading block. So one of the things I was reading up about is Anton Kudobin um, for the Dallas Stars. He apparently is on the trading block. So he's got two years left on his deal, 3.3 mil per year. So it's a fairly reasonable cap hit, especially for a goalie that just two seasons ago carried the Dallas Stars to the Stanley Cup Finals. He was sensational in the playoffs. And it's funny because we talked about this team at the beginning of the year, Marcus, where we're like, you know, Ben Bishop's still in the IR, potentially could come back this year, although it sounds more and more likely that he won't. They also had Kudobin. They also had... Uh, Holpe, who started the season really hot and has, he's actually picked it up a little bit more recently. And they also have Odinger. So they had four like legit good goalies on that team. And, you know, we were kind of wondering who would be the odd person out. They had a bit of a rough start to the season. And so they ended up calling up Odinger. Last I saw, he was 5-0. and So he's doing really well. And I think they're yeah. finally going to give him the respect he deserves. I think he's there to stay now. And it looks like give they prefer the Holpe to be the tandem with him as opposed to Kudobin. So it looks like he's on the trading block. Now the two years, 3.3 mil, I said, that's pretty reasonable. The only problem is he's having a really down season. He's got a three, seven, three goals against average and an eight, seven, three save percentage. Those are like worse than Matt Murray's numbers. Yeah. <laughs> so, and he's also 35. Yeah. So we'll see. I, I kind of put here in my notes. I was like, maybe Arizona, maybe Buffalo, Maybe a couple teams that are still rebuilding, but maybe want a little mentorship. And, you know, they don't really have any goalies right now. I don't want to be rude and, and sound offensive to the guys who are in those two cities right now. Uh, or I guess I should say. I think state. that's on purpose, Sean. <laughs> yeah, it's on purpose. But then also, if you get a guy with a 373 goals against an 873 save percentage, like you don't want to totally kill your young players developments as goalies either. Right. So maybe no, this is one course. of those times where you bring in a guy who's a little bit older. He's not doing the best, but he's a good guy and brings that mentorship. And here's the thing, Marcus, he brings playoff experience with him. As I mentioned, he was in the Stanley cup finals as the starting goalie for that team. So, you know, maybe just bringing a guy like that in helps to settle everybody a little bit. And yeah, you know, they're trying to lose, but, He's also got a 373 goals against an 873 save percentage. So it's not like he's going to be stealing them a ton of games. Yeah, but 
if they're already hitting the bottom of the cap, I think they've already kind of hit their goals. <laughs> Maybe, but I don't know that those teams actually have goalies signed for next year is what I'm suggesting. Like the thing is he Fair. has two years left. So it might be one of those things where they say, okay, this is a, a stop gap here. Like we'll get him for two years. And then after that two years, we'll be a little bit closer to wanting to compete. And that's when we'll either bring some younger guys up or we'll make a move for somebody else. Um, they've got Carter Hutton, who is not 35 really playing <laughs> very good. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. I like how much worse is he than he's not playing right now, right now. Cause Scott Wedgwood is there too. True. And they have well, he's that played young three guy. games this season. He's played three games this season. Yeah. And he's whew, he's got a seven point seven six goals against average. Yeah. And a point seven four one save percentage. Well, he might have just got lit up one game, that's all. Yeah. So he's not playing. So like you said. And then they got Scott Wedgwood, who's twenty nine, and he's got three wins, six losses, a two point eight six, and a nine thirteen. So that's that's pretty good. Yep. 12 games. Uh, definitely better than Kudobin. And then Carol Vejmelka, who is never heard of him, but he's <laughs> I'm glad you said his name. He had like yeah. a 46 save shutout the other day for his first win of the season. But then he's like 1, 10, and 2 or something. 2, 10, and 1. Oh, all right. Picked up his second one. There <laughs> two, you go. 10, and 1. Yes, got the shutout. Yes, got, he... his, uh, got his mojo going there and picked up a second yeah. one too. So He actually had a, a win before the shutout against the Kings, oh. and then he got the shutout against the Winnipeg Jets okay. seven days later. There you so, go. The 46 save shutout, as you were saying, Sean. Good good for so good he, for them. In 15 games, he's got a 3.13 goals against average and a 9.06 save percentage. So I, judging, just going off the numbers, Scott Wedgwood and Carol Vegmelka are already, you know, better than Yeah, but then, uh, but then your so argument I'm, is they're trying to lose. So well, why don't you bring in Kudobin so you can lose more? Two games? and ten. I mean, they're already losing enough. <laughs> it's, it's funny that you made that point though, because I, you're no, the I one know. I, I get, tanking, I get that. So. <laughs> you're like, you know, I wouldn't tank myself, but here's a suggestion for anyone who wants to tank: maybe you go get a goalie who's 35 and has a three seven three and eight seven three save percentage. <laughs> but I think it's that second year as well. You know, that committing to that. I understand that you're saying, you know, you'll have, you'll be secure in that sense but at the same time i think having that flexibility if you're locked into that 3.3 it's not a lot but dude it's still definitely dude, locked in for something <laughs> these teams aren't competing next year they can fit well, the 3.3 on the books dude it's not like they're gonna be up true, to the salary but if cap. they don't if they don't want to pay any more then they're fine you know they're wedgwood is making making 825 and vegmelka is making 842 <laughs> yep both of their contracts are less than Kudobin's and they're performing fine or where they want to be. Well, anyways, we, uh, we don't need to spend more time on this. Uh, I just <laughs> wanted to throw it out there. So there's, you're starting to hear some more noise about guys who are potentially on the block because we're getting to that point. I would say we're getting to that stage in the season where there's some teams who are starting to look at themselves and say, are we competing this year? Are we not competing this year? Or maybe just an abundance of riches, right? They have a lot of goalies in Dallas, and as good as Kudobin was for them a couple seasons ago, I think it's time to move on. All right, Marcus, a couple big things that came out this week, in particular in Philadelphia and in Vancouver. The Philadelphia Flyers have fired Alain Vigneault as the coach. 
He is out. That was after an eight-game losing streak. That team is certainly not performing up to standards. It's funny. They're in the same division as um, the, the Islanders, the Islanders, who we've been talking a little bit about. They have five more points than the Islanders, but the Islanders have two games in hand, Marcus. So if the Islanders win both those games, they're actually only one point behind Philly. So that kind of wow. just shows you how bad Philly's playing um, in this particular case. They're 8-10-4. and four. So they have eight wins and 14 losses on the season. That is a. It shows they had a really good start. They, and then they did. <laughs> kind of. They did. They started hot. But that's been the case for them for years now. Like, I swear every year they do well, they do good, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. they just don't make the playoffs. Like, they always just lose it right near the end. But it's funny because I was reading up about it, and it sounds like their biggest problem is scoring goals. Really? They have so much firepower. I, I just don't understand yeah. how that works, but maybe the guys who are there just aren't performing. Well, definitely not if they're not scoring goals. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I guess that was <laughs> that was a mute point to make on my part. Um, yeah. Thanks for pointing out the obvious, Marcus. Yeah, you're you're right. Yeah, Sean's a dummy. <laughs> Good call. Is that, is that trade for Cam Atkinson? Bro, man, Voracek has so many points this year, too. Last I checked, <laughs> he had like go. 17 assists on the season already. I'm like, yeah, maybe yeah, those Cam assists would have been eight, even better in Philly. Eight goals and five assists. He's got 13 points so far. Who? Cam Atkinson. Cam Atkinson? Yeah. Voracek has... I think he's got like 17 or 18 assists. He's got one goal... 18 assists. There you go. So 19 points. So Yeah, but they don't need... Well, they can, if they had him on the team, maybe they'd have more goals because he just gets That's so many true. assists. He'd be passing, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But anyways, yeah, so that was a big firing that happened. And then in the interim, I believe it's Mike Yo who is... I believe he's taking yeah. over. So he was the coach of the St. Louis Blues before they were in dead last and decided to fire him. And then they went on to win the Stanley Cup. But <laughs> I know he also coached in Minnesota as well. So he's got a he's got a lot of experience. He's he'll be good for them in the interim, uh, but they certainly need to figure out what the heck is going on there, man. Because for years now they've had so much talent and they've they've been in that in between for too long, where they haven't been low enough in the standings to get any meaningful draft picks, but they haven't done well enough to just give that fan base what they deserve, which is a winning team or a team that goes deep in the playoffs. So it's a little unfortunate they're stuck in limbo. That's the place I hate, Marcus. That's the place I hate. Yeah. And that's why I support tanking because I would rather just suck and just get good draft picks and then come back and be a good team for a while than just be stuck in limbo. Nothing worse than that in my opinion. Or you could be in limbo and then get a first overall and then you're back in it. Well, I mean, no one expected Ottawa to make the playoffs this year, but I don't think anyone expected them to be dead last. So that's one of those being bad on accident type situations by accident. Sorry. Um, the other thing that happened... So Vigneault got fired, head coach there. The head coach of the Vancouver Canucks also got fired. Travis Green. Not only did Travis Green get fired, but they also immediately hired Boos Boudreau. So Boudreau is now the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. He is Canadian, and he's back in Canada now for the first time coaching a Canadian team. So that'll be interesting to see how it goes. He's from Toronto. Yeah, he's from Toronto. T-Dot, baby. He played on, didn't he play on the Toronto Maple Leafs as well? That is a great question. And I am not 100% sure of the answer, but I will take you at your word, Marcus. Why don't I keep talking well, for he a went second? Well, he went to Vic Park. He went to my high school. Shout out, Victoria Park. <laughs> Giving too much personal information out, Marcus. Now people are going to find okay. you. They're going to know who you are. Never mind then. Um, yeah, so. He went to a high school called Victoria Park. <laughs> yes, yes, of course. It's in the area that our parents live in. <laughs> Currently do live in at this time. Yes. 
So, yeah. Mike Yeo is also from Scarborough, by the way. Okay. Oh, there you go. So, yeah, another Toronto person. Another Toronto person there. Canadian and not hired. only did the Canucks fire their head coach, Mike Green, but they also fired uh, Jim Benning, who was their general manager, and they also fired their assistant general manager, John Weisbrot. So that's all according to Frege. Uh, I was following him on Twitter. That's where I got my info from. So thank you, Frege, for the information. Appreciate it. And there's some talks now about who's going to kind of fill those shoes. They're, they're doing a bit of a search. I thought it was kind of funny because I saw the Sedin's names come up and I was like, man, how funny would it be if one day you just hear, so the team is hiring co-general managers, Daniel and Henrik Sedin. <laughs> I think that would be a first, Marcus. I don't think any teams had co-general managers before. Not that I can remember. I mean, maybe there are some partnerships, but yeah, this would be, it'd be interesting be first, to say probably. the least. Yeah. I, I brought that comment up to Kevin and he he politely reminded me that he thinks Roberto Luongo would actually be a better fit because Luongo's actually done some stuff and he's in Florida right now. And he was also named, I think he's helping out with Team Canada, isn't he, at the Olympics? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's been getting some some more uh, general manager-ish type roles recently. So he was their goalie for a long time, took them to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals. Devastating was he loss. Was the captain at one point? Yeah, he was the captain as a goalie which is really weird because goalies can't cross center ice. So it was kind of odd to have that. That's why he couldn't, that's why he wasn't allowed to wear the C. Yeah. But he was still considered captain. He had a C on his helmet. Ah. But I think according to the NHL rules, he was not allowed to actually wear the C. Interesting. But it would be pretty cool. Because he couldn't cross Can you imagine if Luongo's the general <laughs> manager and then there's two co-assistant general managers? Dar- <laughs> uh, sorry, Daniel and Henry. Well, I don't think he'd have to be co. They're just two assistant general managers. No, no. They, they would be very specific about it. Co- gen- oh. Co-assistant general okay. managers, Marcus. Daniel and Henrik Sedin. Um, that would be pretty sweet. But we'll see what happens. I mean, they're finally shifting it up. I saw there was, a, there was an interview with the owner. I, th- I believe it's the Aquilini's. And yeah. one of the Aquilini's was was talking at a press conference, and he was like, you know, owners own, managers manage, coaches coach, players play. You know, once once we break that trend or once we break that, you know, basics of hockey operations, that's where you start to see problems. And from everything I've heard from, like, most media members in hockey, they all talk about how the Aquilini's are maybe a little too invested and too Hands involved. On. <laughs> so... I don't want to speak too much on that because I obviously don't have any proof, uh, but that certainly seems to be the noise coming out of that side of the the media field there. So I'm like, uh, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because maybe if he say he's not involved, then he's not involved. Okay, Sean, <laughs> yeah. just take it at face value. <laughs> yeah, whatever, man. Dude's a billionaire, so it is what it is. Life goes on. Yeah, if you want to, if you want a hockey team, whatever, man. If you want to say, I want this player get this player yeah (laughs) and i think i think it's fairly common knowledge that most owners of teams and i'm talking like most big four sports in north america like not just hockey it's Mm -hmm. certainly not their source of income it's they buy it for equity purposes and for tax write-off purposes and they basically and just, just, just sit like, on it, you know, let it gain equity, and then if they ever want to sell it, they'll obviously make a ton of money on the difference between buying and selling. It's also just to be part of the club or bragging rights, yeah. or you know, oh, I own this team, I own this team. You know, you if you're a billionaire, I guess that's what you just buy for fun, and you're like, okay, this is my 
kind of semi hobby or something to do on the weekends. I can go to a game or whatever. Yeah. And, <laughs> no for free and, exactly you know enjoy <laughs> enjoy be, be part of all the conversations doing. try to shift it in yeah. the way i like yeah <laughs> but yeah all right we got to move on to the next topic here so i was just talking about a couple teams that obviously are not doing well and that would be the philadelphia flyers and also the um vancouver canucks so i mentioned earlier but the flyers are actually on an eight game losing streak they are not doing well that's part of the reason why they fired Vigneault, and then I mentioned earlier as well, the Islanders are on an 11-game losing streak, um, eight straight regulation losses, followed by three OT shootout losses. So it's not good. It is not good in the island, and it is certainly not good in Philadelphia right now. I'll hit the panic button now. Now you'll hit the panic button? Now I will. You (laughs) finally believe me, Marcus? After six (laughs) home games and not a single win at their new But I think Montreal still got a chance. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Sorry, Montreal. I'm just kidding. No, I don't. (laughs) But it it is not happening. I think, honestly, if Detroit keeps playing the way they're playing, they might. I would be so pumped if they were the four seed and Boston didn't make the playoffs. That would be awesome. That would be pretty sweet. (laughs) But, you know, Toronto may look past them and be like, get eliminated in the seventh game against Detroit. Those are the scary ones, right? Where... (laughs) Toronto is the clear favorite and Detroit has nothing to lose. And Lucas Raymond and Maurice Sider have like eight goals each in like seven games. Cause you know, it's going to go yep. to seven and Mitch Marner has zero goals. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see Marcus. We'll see what happens. We're going to buck the trend this, this year. Is the year. Just enjoy. This is the year. Yeah. <laughs> they certainly look. This year we win around. <laughs> this is the best team that we have seen in a long time. It's true. So I I'm very excited for that to happen, but. Better than last year, which we said was the best team we'd seen in a long, long time. I know, but the thing is, they're <laughs> even better than last year. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess we'll see what happens. But the fact that they're still getting better, even though they're in that cap crunch and they just keep cycling guys through, like they're doing better than they did last year. So I'm impressed. I think they're going to continue to do well. And it's just it's all going to depend on how they do in the playoffs, man. Yeah, no, by far, Marcus, this is this is the best Leafs team <laughs> That I've seen <laughs> so far. So you you can keep saying it. Yeah, every year we're going to keep talking about it. Um, but hopefully. Well, I mean, if they keep getting better, obviously, if they're not better, we're not going to say this is the best Leafs team that we've seen thus far or recent memory. So yeah, they are. Don't, don't get me wrong. I agree with you. I think they are definitely better than they were last year. And I mean, they are missing Hyman, but they've got they got some other players. They, they got some other guys. They got some other guys. It's okay. We'll see what happens. But, yeah. So, anyways, we're talking about the Leafs. So, we're going to the Leafs corner because, yeah. Why? Leafs corner. Keep, keep it rolling, baby. Keep it rolling. They are playing some good hockey right now. This is uh, clearly a team that is in a groove. This is clearly a team that is doing quite well right now. Yeah, they're playing good hockey, Marcus. Um, did you have a chance to watch them the last couple games this week? I didn't get to see... Like all the games, I know they kind of they've lost their last two, unfortunately, to the hot, also hot Minnesota Wild, and Dude, that game. it was a back to back, so they lost to the Jets. Oof. Unfortunately, Joseph Wool got lit up there, six three, but they did beat, they did put a big beating on the Colorado Avalanche. They scored eight goals, <laughs> winning eight to three. So that was a huge win, especially you know Colorado had. They had like a backup or like emergency goalie, I think, or something like that, or a call-up goalie. So I don't think they swapped out their goalie. So they just let him 
get shell shock for eight goals and yeah they they did not i think actually the e-bug was dressed and in warm-ups at the beginning of the game yeah and they had i think it was maybe an ahl goalie but they called somebody who was en route and i believe they ended up making it partway through the game but yeah they they basically didn't have a choice they had to leave the guy in and yeah Yeah. unfortunately he just got lit up by the leafs who were playing a really good game yeah, and they, McKinnon is back, too, so it's not... That was his first like game back, so we'll yeah. cut him some oh, okay. slack. Okay. Maybe yeah, he just needs enough. a little bit of time just to, to kind of keep it rolling. But, dude, that Toronto-Minnesota game, that was by far the best game I've watched all year. Like, just oh, through yeah. and through, both teams are very clearly playoff-caliber teams, mm-hmm. and that was a heck of a game. They both, like, just the whole game, man. Shots on goal, so even. Time of possession, so even. Great defensive plays, great saves by the goaltenders on both ends. Ridiculous talent, some nice goals on both ends. Like just through and through, very exciting hockey, very good game. Both teams were kind of going at it a little bit too. You know, we got Simmons fighting Felino. Um, you know, it was just such a fun, exciting game. And I was really impressed too because at least went down three nothing, and they actually came back, tied the game, and and took it to overtime. They ended up losing in shootout, but I was okay. not okay. surprised to see that game go to a shootout because both teams absolutely deserved a point. So that, that was one of yeah. those times where, you know, every once in a while I'm like, man, should they really give point to the team that loses? Cause you know, it's a loss. You didn't win. Like mm-hmm. watch this game. <laughs> like if you're able to go back and watch this game and tell me both of these teams didn't deserve a point. Cause damn, that was a good hockey game. Well, that's good to hear. I mean, it sucks. The outcome wasn't in our favor, but if, if they're putting up a good fight against Minnesota Wild, who's also one of the top teams in the league right now, that's all you can ask for, right? Like, if it's a seven-game series, it can, you know, it'll be a very exciting series. That would obviously be in the Stanley Cup Finals, ooh, ooh. but... Yeah, that would be exciting. <laughs> and, and you know, there was a couple things I wanted to mention about the game specifically. One of them is, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if you saw Minnesota's third goal, Marcus, but basically there was a, a shot on goal and then, like, the puck kind of like went out to the side somehow and it hit the ref who was standing like by the base of the circle. Mm-hmm. So the puck was had enough speed to, it would have easily gone to the boards, like gone to the sideboards and then there would have been a race yeah. to the puck and it would have been like a whole kind of new play, but it ended yeah. up hitting the ref dropping right on the ice. And then I think it was Greenway. Somebody was able to put the puck in the back. Oh, of the so oh, that's a shame. It was such a lucky bounce for Minnesota in that yeah. context. So yeah. even that, like the Leafs came back and ended up tying the game three, three, but theoretically, I guess they could have won that game three to two, but you know, you can't play those theoreticals because you know, if it's no. two, two, then teams are going to play differently. And you know, if it's yeah, three, yeah, two, then Minnesota is sure. going to play differently. So I don't want to get into uh, that too much of a hype, yeah, but no, that's a shame. Yeah, it was it was really unfortunate. But when you're lucky, you're good. When you're good, you're lucky. And Minnesota is a good mm-hmm. team, so I'm not going to take anything away from them. They also deserve to win that game. They played a fantastic game. Also, um, the other thing, there was a couple. You know, it got a little. I was chippy, on the road too, so a little chippy throughout was on the, the game. Road. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing I wasn't a big fan of is uh, it's Marcus Felino who plays for Minnesota. So yeah. for those of you who are Leafs fans, Nick not Felino's Nick Felino, younger who brother. currently plays for Boston. But it's his younger his brother. His younger brother, yeah. Marcus Felino. He there was a play where he he had the puck on the outside and he was cutting towards the front of the net. And he literally just like hit soup. Like he just hit Campbell. And I was like, dude, like that's in the blue paint. 
Nobody pushed him. There was no defenseman. Like, I hate when defensemen push guys into their own goalie. That was not what happened. There was nobody around him. He just cuts the net. He was trying to deke around Campbell and put the puck in the net. Campbell was inside the blue paint. It's not like he stepped out and, you know, went too far and, like, tried to trip him or anything like that. He literally just cut to the net hard and just ran our goalie. And there was no penalty call. Like, nothing. I was like, dude, what the heck? You know, you talk about protecting your stars. Well, how about the guy who has the best save percentage, the most wins, and the best goals against average in the league? How about you protect him? Like, that's a clear penalty, in my opinion. So that was interesting. And the other thing I don't know is, I still haven't heard anything about it, but I told you earlier that Felino, so the same guy there, got into a fight with Simmons in the game. It was uh, yeah. it was a little questionable because what happened is Felino went off for a change. And then the whistle blew, and then there was a bit of a kerfuffle like right in front of Minnesota's bench. And then all of a sudden, Felino was back on the ice. And it was like, did he just come off the bench? Because, like, he oh, changed. Really? Yeah. And now all of a sudden, he's on the ice fighting Simmons. So everyone's like, you can't do that. You can't just mm-hmm. leave the bench and start fighting. Like, yeah, you, you can't jump off the bench like that, dude. Not, not after you change. So... I think the ruling on the ice was he was in the process of changing. That was their like defense for it. But it was pretty obvious, man. He literally hopped over the freaking bench like he went off and then he hopped back onto the ice and all of a sudden he's fighting Simmons. So I'm surprised there wasn't any follow-up. I haven't heard anything about it. I'm surprised. Uh, I heard they're not um, going to discipline them. Yeah. Or there's no... I don't know, man. Yeah. That, that was interesting to me. I, I thought for sure that would be at least at least a fine. Okay. Maybe you don't suspend the guy. Like it is what it is. He got into a fight, whatever. But man, uh, Keith was livid on the bench. He was, well, yeah. I mean, if this guy's jumping off, off the bench to go just fight somebody, then yeah, no, that's definitely. Yeah. And again, should not be guy who ran our goalie. So at least Simmons fought him (laughs) to try to fight, but yeah, it was, it was a little disappointing. So that was a couple things near the end of the game, but honestly, through and through fantastic hockey game. Gritty, tough fights, hits, goals, back and forth. Like I said, man, all the stats, all the categories, everything was very, very close. That was that was a fun game to watch. So that was awesome. And then the next night, unfortunately, it was a back-to-back. So we lost that game to, to Winnipeg, which we definitely had a slow start. And we kind of let them get out to a bit of a lead there. And I don't know. Game got pretty, pretty chippy pretty quick, though. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of the refing in that game either. I would say some questionable calls slash maybe lack of calls that happened. I'm not sure if you saw that gift for that little short video of your boy there, Dubois. He was literally like riding Matthews back in our zone. Oh, really? He was like basically just sitting on top of him and not letting him get up. And then they ended up getting up at the end, like pushed and shoved a little bit. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, offsetting penalties. And everyone's like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> how is that offsetting? Like, I think it's pretty obvious who initiated and who was the one who was, who was at fault for that? But I think by that point in the game, they had kind of let it get away from them a little bit. Because yeah. I'm sure you heard, I don't know if you saw, but Pionk also, your boy who's on your team, yeah, he, on my he just team. got suspended two games for a knee-on-knee hit games. against Sandine there. Refs blew that, mm-hmm. man. They literally didn't even call a two-minute penalty on the ice. He got a two-game suspension. Jeez. Four yeah. guys, two refs, two linesmen. Nobody saw that. Like, come on. That was brutal, man. I can't believe they didn't call anything on that. And then now Spezza has an in-person hearing, which means he could be suspended for more than five games because he ended up going after Pionk later in the game. Pionk was on the ice trying to like 
throw the puck out with his hand and he didn't have a stick and Spezza totally just he hit a defenseless player is what he did oh so he's definitely gonna get suspended for it as he should because he shouldn't have done it but also Mm -hmm. the refs let that game get out of hand I still cannot believe there wasn't even a two-minute penalty called for that neon knee hit by Pionk like that was just ridiculous to me but Spezza retaliated and did something he shouldn't have done. So, yeah, he's going to get suspended for that too. So it is what it is, but that sucks because Spezza's also been playing phenomenal in the absence of Marner. So that was yeah. the other thing I was going to mention. Yeah, we lost, but we were on a back-to-back. Our mm-hmm. quote-unquote third, maybe even fourth string goalie, depending on how you see Hutch in this case, yeah. starting on a back-to-back in Winnipeg, and we're missing Mitch Marner. So and yeah, we were already on the road for the previous game against Minnesota. So. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm curious to see how many games Spezza gets. Um, that's really unfortunate. That'll be a big loss for us. But yeah, definitely chippy. And um, I don't know, man. I'm starting to see a trend with Winnipeg. Like, you know what I mean? So last year, the thing that happened with Shifley, him getting suspended, and then we were talking about last week that ridiculous two-handed swing that Morrissey put after the whistle and. You know, watching the game, I'm like, man, I, I feel like the Winnipeg Jets get away with a lot of stuff. And then it makes me think back to how pissed off Joe Thornton was at Nick Ehlers. And I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, maybe yeah. Joe Thornton was trying to curb that team a little bit and let them know, yo, you can't just run around and just be rats all game. Like, you guys aren't Brad Marchand. Chill out. Well, maybe that's the kind of game that Winnipeg's trying to emulate. Kind of that Boston-type gritty game. I remember... On a on a podcast, I don't recall which one, but basically the ref or the ref got caught saying, you know, this is a makeup call for this team or something like that. Oh I yeah, think yeah, was that a, was in the game. Nashville game. Yeah. That that guy yeah, got Nashville. Well, he didn't get fired. Yeah. He actually just was like a couple months away from retiring, so they just didn't schedule him any more games. Yeah, but it just goes to show in that like kind of like how Boston plays, right? You play rougher. Yeah, you're gonna get some penalties, but in the end, maybe you're going to get away with some stuff and, you know, you capitalize on that by playing that dirtier kind of <laughs> grittier game. I, I know what you mean, man. Right. Yeah, I know what you mean. And so maybe Winnipeg's doing something like that or, or maybe they're just some of their players are just showing that they're tough or yeah, that they I, are I know what you mean, man, players. Like, and there's a difference between tough and tough dirty. And okay. dirty. Yeah. It's, like some of these yeah. players are just. Man, like that Morrissey two-handed swing, like, come on, man. There's yeah. no place for that in the game. Like the hit from Pionk, man, he's never been suspended before. So, you know, you got to give him the benefit of the doubt here. It was a stupid play. It was a dangerous play. Sandine's out now. They're saying two to three weeks. So, like, he literally injured <sighs> someone with that yeah. stupid hit. But he's also not a guy who's a repeat offender. This is the first time. So, you know, maybe mm. you cut him a bit of slack here and say, yeah, this was dumb. Here's a two-game suspension. If you do it again, it's going to be more. But it's stuff like that where I'm like, man, you know, there's a difference between, like, hitting guys and even, like, slashing guys and, like, cross-checking guys in front of the net. I even think that's more acceptable (laughs) in terms of, like, NHL and how how guys play. Yeah, man. Some of the stuff that they're doing, though, is just a little bit offside to me. Just a little too much, in my opinion. But don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, you know, maybe they're trying to – implement kind of that kind of dirtier play get under the other team's skin yeah or injure them and <laughs> they're gonna get away with things and it it will they'll the 
the balance will lean more towards them. I think next time we play the Jets, Clifford and Simmons will be in the lineup. Oh, yeah. And I feel like there might be uh, some people answering the bell a little. I'm curious to see if uh, Spezza is going to have to answer the bell at all. Or I wonder if just the fighters will. No, I think somebody will step up for him. Yeah, I wonder if the fighters will fight the fighters. Although he did fight that one game in Columbus, so. Yeah, that's true. But, yeah, like I don't think (laughs) Pionk is much of a fighter either, so I'd be curious to see what happens. I wonder if Sandine wants to fight him. It depends how re- how soon the game is. I think definitely that the North Division last year kind of spawned or you know made made some more rivalry between the Jets and the Leafs. Yeah, because obviously with them being West in the Coast, West, East we don't Coast. get to play yeah, them. Right, we don't get to play them as often. But we got to play them like seven games or eight games or whatever the schedule was last I think year. It was nine. And okay, yeah, sorry, yeah, no, it, you're correct. In nine games last year. And I think that definitely, you know, playing a team nine, uh, team nine times in in a season, a shortened season at that, definitely you're gonna kind of build some of those rivalries or you know some of those players you're really gonna just not be a fan of, and you really want to, you know, stick it to them or you yeah, know, well, win. It's like playoff <laughs> series too, right? Exactly. Like how we played exactly. Boston two or three years in a row, basically, and like I'm still pretty bitter about it. So. <laughs> As good as of Boston course, is and as an organization, like the continued success they've had, like, like you have to respect no, all I that. I still hate them. <laughs> but I still am just not a huge fan <laughs> because of yeah. the way that they keep beating the Leafs and it's just frustrating. But yeah, and For I sure. think I want to correct myself too. There were 60 games last season, right, Marcus? Seven teams in the North Division, which means they would have played every team 10 times, right? 10 times six. Six teams times 10 games okay <laughs> so yeah we're, we're not very good at math everyone sorry about that so yeah would have been would have been 10 games against winnipeg in a shortened season so 10 of your 60 games were against winnipeg um so yeah i could certainly see how that animosity has kind of built up and man i i didn't know a ton about uh, dubois but i certainly feel like he does have a little bit of that like marchand-esque feel to him obviously not nearly as much as marchand but 56 games last season. Ah, okay. So then, yeah. In that case, it would have been probably nine. I think it was nine. Okay, well, we are done with the Leafs talk, Marcus, because it has been uh, enough time. With that said, that brings us to our fantasy talk of the podcast. So I think we're going to continue on similar to last week or last episode in that instead of talking about players of the week, we're going to talk about some players who may have been drafted or highly touted or, you know, kind of players that some people have on their teams right now. And they're kind of in question if if you should drop them or not, because I think now's the time to it has been the time. The time has passed. And now you really got to if you still have them, maybe really look if you're going to keep them or not. So we'll go back and forth on these players. I think we're going to do it similar to last week where we will talk about them and we'll decide or we'll each say our opinion so starting with the first player jacob chikrin sean he's been your boy he's been a guy that you've had for the past two seasons now is he a drop or not well marcus this one is very much dependent on the type of league you're in so i can tell you that chikrin has not had a great season last year he had over 20 goals we talked about that He only has two goals and five assists this year. So only seven points. You know, obviously Arizona is having a really brutal, tough year. But the funny thing is in our league, based on our stats categories, he's actually ranked 79th in the league. 
So even though he's not getting a ton of points, he has 30 penalty minutes, 78 shots, 32 hits, 30 blocks. So he puts up a lot of different categories. And because we're in that banger league where we do not include plus minus, he's the kind of guy that still provides value. So my answer is going to be dependent on the type of league you're in. So if you're in basically a straight up points league, yeah, you should have dropped him a long time ago. <laughs> if it's just based on goals, assists, and points overall, this is not somebody you want to keep on your team. But if it's a league where you have those additional categories, then it could be worth hanging on to him. It just depends on who else is available. So I will say drop in points leagues, but keep in banger leagues. Yeah, I'd probably have to agree with you, Sean. The only thing I want to say is law of averages. I mean, he's only got two goals and 78 shots. I mean, he's bound <laughs> to start getting some more puck luck yeah. and probably start putting the puck in the net again and, um, you know, kind of relive last season with the 20 goals. So, I mean, I would probably keep him just to see. And if he's giving you kind of other categories as well, definitely a guy to still hold on to unless there are clear-cut better defensemen available in your league that you can easily pick up right away. Yeah, no, that's very fair. I mean, also of note, um, like you said, he is on Arizona, and they don't have Oliver ekman Larson this season. So he is taking on a larger role on the team. So it could be a combination of getting accustomed to that. He's going to be playing against higher-caliber players in that sense, potentially, as being the number one defenseman on the team. And, yeah, I think just law of averages and the team itself is not as good and someone's got a score though and he's still taking a ton of shots so it should potentially even out a little yeah no i agree with you man he's got the potential still so it just depends on where you are in your league and if you have the ability to hang on to him i just feel like there's not a ton of guys in free agency that you can pick up who have that and if he does for some reason start going off in terms of goals again or, or just picking up more points he's a really solid value piece because of the fact that he has all those other categories too. Next guy, Marcus is Jamie Ben center slash left wing for the Dallas stars in terms of goals, assists, he's got five goals, four assists. So not a ton in terms of that context, but you know what? Talk about a guy who gets a ton of categories. His name is Jamie Ben. Okay. 25 PIMS. He also has 43 shots on goal, 153 faceoff wins, and 47 hits, not to mention 13 blocks. He gets you a little bit of everything. So if you're in a straights points league, sure, maybe not somebody you want to keep. There's probably better value out there. We were talking about a guy like Vorschuk. He's got 17 assists already on the season. So you could definitely find some guys who are just points driven. But if you're in a league that has multiple offensive categories, then Jamie Benn is still very valuable. So if it was me, I would hang on to him. I would keep him. And if Dallas starts to turn it around, as we've seen since Odinger has been called up, it seems like they're starting to win more games. So maybe he'll start to get some more reps in and score some more goals. Yeah, I'm just going to kind of echo what you're saying um, on Jamie Ben. I think that, it again, it, this is a situation where it really depends on the type of league that you're in. Personally, I think kind of Jamie Ben is not the same player as a couple seasons ago. He's definitely not in that top 20 forwards or Olympic conversation uh, like you, even. Yeah, exactly. Cause you know, a couple seasons ago, him and Sagan were, you know, arguably one of the best tandems in the NHL. And I don't think he's at that level anymore. 
Uh, he is definitely getting older, but he's still putting up numbers, and he's putting up numbers in a lot of different categories. So it really depends on your league. If you're in a points league, I would probably move on from him. But if you are in a league with banger categories and face-offs and pims and everything, um, he's he's definitely still got some value. No doubt, Marcus. Who's next? So next we got Taylor Hall on the Boston Bruins. So this season, so far, he's got five goals and six assists. So, Sean, what do you think? Uh, this is a drop from you, Marcus. This is a guy people had a lot of hope for. You know, figure going into Boston, potentially getting a chance to play with some better players. And when I say better players, I mean he was on Arizona and Buffalo the last couple seasons. So chance for him to kind of break out and, and maybe have a little bit more of a chance. But the problem is... There is a perfection line, and there's a reason they're called a perfection line, and there's a reason they play together, and they play together on the power play. So I don't think Taylor Hall is getting as many looks as people thought he might, and I really don't think that he is necessarily fitting in as well as most people thought he would. So 11 points from a guy who has literally won a Hart Trophy in the league before for being above a point-per-game player, this is a disappointing season, and I feel like he doesn't get enough of those additional categories that you want to keep him. Go and pick somebody else up who has owned in a few less leagues that can get you more points and also get you additional categories. Because as a straight left wing, you're also hampered by that lack of ability to be able to maneuver him and put him into different slots in your lineup as well. Yeah, Sean, I'm going to agree with you on on pretty much everything you said. (laughs) Yeah, you hit the nail on the head uh, right there, Sean. So Taylor Hall, a drop from me. He's only got five goals, six assists, and he's not getting as much play time on Boston. He's the second option or that second line, and that second line isn't that deep. Everyone's looking to him to score, and he's not really scoring. He doesn't really provide much other categories either, so drop from me. Yeah, really the only way I see that changing is if they go out and they try to get a better 2C. Because one thing not enough people are talking about is the fact that David Krejci is no longer part of the Boston Bruins. If Krejci mm-hmm. was the second line center there playing with Hall and Felino, that would be a way different conversation that we're having right now. But as sure. of right now, that first line is basically the bread and butter of the team. And yeah, not a whole lot else happening. Next up on the list, Marcus, is Dominic Kubalik. So he plays for the Chicago Blackhawks. He is a left slash right wing. So he does bring that flexibility of the dual position threat. Marks, he's a drop for me. Four goals, four assists. He's only got eight points this year. He had a monster season last year. Um, He had 17 goals and 21 assists in that shortened season. So to go and have like 38 points in 56 games, I think people were expecting a lot more from him. And he's just not getting the same reps. He's just not playing as well as he played last year. And I feel like he's starting to kind of drop down the depth charts a little bit as well and getting less and less of a role in the top six. So at this point in the season, it's too late. Sorry, Dominic Kubelik, but move on. You could potentially target him next year as a bounce back candidate. But for this year, I would cut your losses and try to go for somebody else. Again, Sean, <laughs> similar, similar for <laughs> me. Uh- <laughs> Just go to the next player, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sure. Next, we got John Klingberg on the Dallas Stars, the defenseman. He's got zero goals and seven assists. He had seven goals and 29 assists last year. With John Klingberg, I would drop him. He doesn't really give a lot of 
the other categories. Uh, he's not really getting much power play time. He's not really getting a lot of shots on goal. He's only got 26. Can anybody say Miro Heiskanen? That is true. He's definitely fallen out of favor in terms of that number one defenseman. He's still a good defenseman, but in terms of fantasy-wise, I wouldn't uh, keep him. Yeah, honestly, I would classify him as a bust this year, specifically in fantasy, of course, but he's a guy who typically puts up a lot of points. As, as I mentioned, seven goals, 29 assists last year. That's 36 points in roughly 56 games for a defenseman. Right, So that's just over half a point a game for a defenseman. That is phenomenal numbers. And last year, of those 36 points, 17 of them were on the power play. So you can see why he was getting so many points, because he was getting so many opportunities on the power play. Now that Heiskanen is really kind of taking over as the number one D in Dallas, he's losing out on those opportunities, and it's really impacting his production. The only thing I will say about Klingberg is he is a free agent at the end of this season, a UFA. So depending on how Dallas is doing this season, there's a chance that he gets traded. And if he gets traded to a contending team that's looking for a right shot defenseman to quarterback the power play, there's a chance that he could give you some production in the second half of the season. But at this point, honestly, bust, I would say drop him and then keep an eye on him around the trade deadline. See if he goes anywhere with some interest. But at the end of the day, if Dallas is contending, I don't think they're going to want to trade him anyways. They'll just kind of ride him out and pull a Leafs. He he is your trade deadline acquisition, even though he's a UFA at the end of the season. Uh, Sean, only thing with your theory, though, is if they are a contending team, they probably have a number one defenseman who's quarterbacking the power play, unless they had an injury, and then that's why they are acquiring John Klingberg. Marcus, I said right shot defenseman. Key, key in yeah, specifically but... on my tones here. Because even if you look at a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs, Morgan Riley and Rasmus Sandin are both left shot defensemen. It's possible that there's teams who are interested that potentially are looking specifically for a right shot D man, right? Or there could be a team that's. I get, no, I get the I get this side of their handedness, bro, but just call I'm me saying Mike Babcock, bro. For, for the power play, <laughs> if you're for the power play, Sean, you already have your. If you're a contending team, you already have your number one power play yeah, guy. And, and honestly, most teams have four <laughs> forwards now on their first power play unit, anyways. Yeah, so it's just one defenseman. But the possibility is there, regardless if he's right or left. I'm pretty sure he's NHL. He's an NHL player. He could play on either side. And same with that winger or centerman who's on that defensive side, the other side playing with that defense. Yeah, it's possible, man. It's very possible, but. Don't count it out is all I'm saying. That That's the only silver lining I see here because I'm telling you to cut him. I'm telling you to drop him. But if you think that he's going to get traded somewhere, then you could potentially hold out hope. I don't know if you're in a keeper league where you don't want to drop him because maybe he ends up somewhere better next year and he has a better opportunity. Who knows? That's true. But yeah, certainly not not providing the same points that he was providing in years prior. And it could be intentional too, right? Like they know they're not going to re-sign him. So why would you give him power play time when you could let Heiskanen develop it's considering you just paid Heiskanen a massive contract? So that kind of makes sense. I get the logic. Next player, Marcus, Alexis Lafreniere. So he is playing as a left wing for the New York Rangers. Everyone kind of cut him some slack last year because it was his first season and he was drafted two seasons ago as the number one overall pick. There was a lot of hype about Lafreniere to the point where there was conversations about like Eichel for Lafreniere plus, but basically yeah. being Lafreniere for Eichel as like the number one kind of piece going back. 
he's got five goals and one assist on the season so far. That's only six points. That's really disappointing considering how well the New York Rangers are doing. It's not like this is a team that's performing poorly and so then the excuse is everybody's performing poorly. I was really expecting him to have a bit more of a, a bounce back season here and potentially provide some more depth and provide some more opportunities in terms of scoring. At this point, I don't see him as somebody worth keeping on my team, especially because he is just a straight left wing. The only way I would keep him probably is if you're in a keeper league. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and and if you're rebuilding. He definitely has the potential. It's only his second season. Unfortunately, the trend of the NHL has been to, if you're drafted first overall, second overall, third overall, you're playing in the NHL. There's no chance you're playing in the in the uh, AHL or going back to the juniors, which is unfortunate because some players, obviously, I don't think are ready. Like, for example, Jack Hughes. He's a smaller player. He's 5'11", yeah. and, you know, he's he's very light. He's, uh, I think, 175 pounds now. Yeah, not much option, now though, he's right? starting... Because of COVID. Pardon? They're not much option because of COVID. No, no, that that is like, true, but right this is his third season. Down, okay. There's nowhere to go right now. Yeah, okay, granted, but I'm... I'm saying like the trend of the NHL, like all like the past five, six, ten seasons, every first overall pick has basically gone straight to the NHL, which I don't think every player is ready, regardless if they're drafted first overall or not. Yep, I agree and with you. Potentially, Laf- this could be a situation for Laf- Lafreniere where it's going to take him a couple seasons to catch his stride. And right now, it's not his season where he's catching his stride. He's still getting used to the NHL game. And he's a guy that I would potentially keep because he's that first overall pick and he does have that skill. It's just unfortunately right now he's not getting a huge amount of play time because the Rangers are playing well. He, they don't have to play him. So they're more of probably just, okay, we'll let him develop at his own pace. We're not in a rush because we're still, we're doing well right now. So any progress he makes is just icing on top right now for the Rangers and so they're not there's not a huge pressure to develop him yeah right now if 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 it's just a if you're not in a keeper league drop him oh yeah 100 percent. yeah no i agree with you man uh, and, and i would even go a step further and say if you're in a keeper league and you're rebuilding this is the perfect player because yeah. he's going to help you lose and potentially fall even further in the standings <laughs> and get a higher draft pick for next year while also yep. potentially having a bounce back season for you next year. So he might be exactly. one of those perfect guys to target if you're looking to try to get somebody as a keeper that you're rebuilding and you're like, hey, maybe this is a guy I'll hang on to and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Next guy, Marcus. Oh, I mean, we talked about Montreal. We talked about how bad they're doing as a team. But Jeff Petrie has two assists on the season. Marcus, Jeff Petrie had 12 goals and 30 assists for 42 points last year in a 56-game season. Wow, what happened? You know, Montreal happened. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I guess if you're in a banger league, he gets a decent amount of hits and blocks. But uh, yeah, this is a drop. Like, it just, it blows my mind that there's still guys who have him on on their team, like, He's slowly dropping off. He's finally below 50% owned. But the fact that he's still owned in like 50% of leagues, I'm like, what are you doing? There's just no way. Are you in like a 20-team league? Like, what is going on here, man? Yeah, I think it's time to cut your losses on that one if you haven't already. I don't know if there's anything you need to add to that, Marcus, or if you just want to move on to the next guy. 
yeah, no, we can move on. I <laughs> nothing much to say more than drop. <laughs> yep. For Jeff Petrie. Drop, drop <laughs> now. So next we got Ivan Provorov, the Philadelphia defenseman. Right now he's got two goals, six assists, and he's also got three power play points, 14 PIMs, 42 shots on goal, 14 hits, and 55 blocks. So he's getting about two blocks a game, and his points aren't really up there comparatively to last year. He's, you could say he's on pace for the same amount of goals or close to, but he's st- it's still down a down year for him so far. It's really hard to say. I don't think his upside is huge. So I would probably say drop in all scenarios right now. I think there's better defensemen. Hopefully there's better defensemen available in your league. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I mean, I've literally dropped him in our league. So I mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I stand by that. The one thing I will say is Philly's in an eight-game losing streak right now. As bad as they're playing, I don't think they're going to continue to lose that much. Like to have another eight to ten game losing streak in the season will, would be really bad. But I'm just curious to see if when Ryan Ellis finally comes back and starts playing, if that's going to help Provorov a little bit more too. Because they knew that he needed some extra help on the right hand side because he has not had that up to this point. And I'm wondering how good Ellis will be for them in that context. But yeah, we can move on, Marcus. It's uh, it's yeah. I mean, like for example, I'm just looking at his previous stats. His rookie season, he had 30 points. His second season was his best season with 17 goals, 24 assists, and 41 points. And then next season, 26 points. Season after, 36 points in 69 games, though. And then last season was 26 points in 56 games. And so far, he's got eight points. So he hasn't. Be, uh, broken his 41 point season or career high so far and that was in 2017-2018 yeah yeah i mean he's still a solid defenseman but oh don't get me wrong i'd love him on the toronto maple yeah. Leafs. So i think he'd be a great defenseman to have on the team yeah. fantasy wise i don't think he's he's all all there cut him or, and move on yeah i think there's better defensemen available okay the next segment here is guys who are not necessarily owned in a ton of leagues and i'm asking you why haven't you picked them up yet? So the first guy on the list, uh, in all fairness, we were going to talk about him last week when he was only owned in 68% of leagues. Uh, <laughs> now he is owned in 80% of leagues, but there's still 20% of leagues out there that don't have him. And his name is Ryan Hartman. He plays for the Minnesota Wild. He is a center slash right wing. He has 13 goals and eight assists already on the season. So that's a solid 21 points to go with 23 PIMs. He's got 86 shots on goal, and he's almost got 200 faceoff wins. He gets a ton wow. of categories. If you don't have this guy Good player to have. as a dual position center slash right wing, you should seriously look at picking him up. Definitely. Uh, next, we have Jordan Eberle on the Seattle Kraken. He's just a right winger. He's got 11 goals, 5 assists, 5 power play points, 50 shots on goal, and then his hits and blocks are about one a game or averaging one a game. So he's only owned in 35%. So definitely if you're looking for some scoring, especially on the right wing, then I would look to pick him up. There you go. Great pick, Marcus. The next one is Tage Thompson. It's not often you promote Buffalo Sabres players, but in this case, he's a center slash left slash right. He can play any forward position there is. 
to be on your team. So consider this last year, he had eight goals and six assists on the season. He has 10 goals and six assists so far this season. He's also smashing his totals for shots on goal. Last year, 96, he's already at 70. Last year, he wow. had two face-off wins, Marcus. This year, 121. <laughs> so <laughs> you can see that they're actually giving Tage Thompson here an opportunity to play in a lot of different scenarios for the Buffalo Sabres. He's getting that opportunity, and he's certainly taking advantage. So if you're looking for somebody who's owned only in 30% of leagues and brings the value of center slash left slash right, Oh, and by the way, he has 10 goals on the season already. 10 goals, 6 assists for 16 points. That ain't bad for somebody playing for the Buffalo Sabres. Career highs so Career far. highs, yeah, so far. Career highs in everything. He's tied for his assist, assists total, but everything else, career high. Fantastic. One thing I want to say about this guy, uh, calling him out, I guess, at six foot seven, 218 pounds, he's only got 18 hits. <laughs> Buddy... <laughs> Throw your body around, please. <laughs> you know what? He's more of a he's he's more of a like solid on his skates kind of guy. Fair. He's hard to push off the puck, which is why he's okay. he's finally breaking out and having some more success yes. on the season. You know? Yeah. But he can he can throw throw a couple hits maybe okay maybe you don't want to injure people all the time because your elbows are just at everyone's head level. But <laughs> you're Freddie the on. Goat style man, big yeah. frame, not taking advantage of it. Well, Freddie the Goat could barely stay on his feet. At least, <laughs> at least Tage Thompson, you know, he's putting up some points. Yeah, so, so we're assuming he's good staying for him. on his feet because let's be honest, yeah. Marcus, I don't think either of us are recording and watching too many Buffalo Sabres games this year. No, no. <laughs> All right, who's next? Uh, next, Boone Jenner, the captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets at a combo center left wing. Why don't you own him? He's only owning 36%. He's got 11 goals so far, four assists, six pims, five power play points, 61 shots on goal, 265 face-off wins. And that's at a center left wing. So you could be on left wing and he's winning you face-offs. And he's got 18 hits and 22 blocks. No reason not pick to pick him up. up. He is pick on my up. fantasy team, Marcus. And yep. since I'm rebuilding, I'm planning on trading him at some point. <laughs> so <laughs> Hopefully you can get... Good draft pick out of him. Yeah, hopefully I get a like nice mid-round pick out of him. We'll see what happens. All right, next guy on the list is uh, Shane Gossespierre. So he's owning 43% of league, so pretty low. He has three goals, 13 assists. So we were talking about Jacob Tr Chikrin earlier, and we were talking about how his numbers have kind of fallen off a little bit. Well, part of the reason for that is because Shane Gossespierre is actually getting the opportunity to play a little bit more um, in some of those top minutes. Again, Marcus and I are not in a league that considers plus minus. So I could see how maybe that would be a bit of a turnoff for you if that was the case. But last year he had nine goals, 11 assists. He's got three goals and 13 assists already this season. So he is only a few points off of his point total from last year, uh, which means he's having what we would consider a nice bounce back season in the desert. So if you're looking for a defenseman who gets points, 16 points already this season, then that's a consideration for you moving forward. For sure. Definitely a guy look to pick up if you're needing some points from a defenseman. Mm -hmm. So we talked about him today. The stud in Sweden who's not going to be on Team Sweden. <laughs> oh, so <laughs> Lucas <dumb>. Raymond. So <laughs> Lucas Raymond. Owned in 75% of Yahoo leagues. Uh, he's got 10 goals, 12 assists. Why don't you have him? He's just putting up points left and right on the Detroit Red Wings. 
he's going to be the next Dotsuk, the next Zetterberg for Detroit. Yeah. So pick him up. Although he doesn't play center. No. So, just a winger. <laughs> Left wing, right wing. He's a combo guy there at least. Go. So he'll dual position, baby. Get you, That's where it's at. Dual position. Gets you some shots on goals well, and he's got five power play points. Yes, sir. All right, last guy we have on the list for today, Marcus, is Joel Erickson Eck. Uh, we talked about Erickson Eck, excuse me, uh, not too long ago in terms of uh, players of the week. He's somebody who has really stepped it up this year in Minnesota. As we mentioned, Minnesota is an absolute wagon this year. There's a lot of guys in that team who are performing and performing well. He's only owned in 53% of leagues. So that means he's available in just under half the leagues right now up to this point. Nine goals, six to six for 15 points. But he gets a little bit of everything. 12 PIMs, four power play points, 66 shots on goal, 232 faceoff wins, not to mention 35 hits and 19 blocks. That's some pretty solid overall numbers all round for Joel Eriksson Ek. And if you are in a league that considers plus minus, well, Minnesota's playing really good hockey. So he will not be a detriment to you in that particular case. The plus six currently. Currently plus six on the season. So yeah, this is a guy that has definitely broken out. They bet on him. You know, it's funny. We talked about uh, Jack Hughes earlier. I kind of see this as a similar where they signed Eriksson Ek to that long deal thinking that he will develop a little bit more and it'll turn into a steal. Um, and I think that potentially Jack Hughes has a little bit more potential offensively. Higher ceiling. Because uh, the ceiling. one thing everyone says about Erickson Eck is he is a phenomenal two-way defensive center. Awesome. Definitely a guy to pick up if you're looking for some center scoring. Yes, sir. These are guys, too. Don't forget, remember that strategy we talked about is you can always pick guys up and then drop them later on. So for some reason, these guys aren't owning a ton of leagues. Pick them up when their teams have three, four games in a week, and then drop them the week after that if you need to. Uh, but these are definitely guys that should be on your list. Or or you get an injury, and you just need a, a guy for a couple games. Look look to some of these players, because they can definitely fill in for probably that player that you're missing. Oh, absolutely. All right, well. Okay, Sean. Do you have uh, anything else that you want to add for today? Any other <laughs> fun stuff happening in your life <laughs> uh no man that's it for me this uh this was a fun episode i uh, i enjoyed all the the variety of things that we talked about today as opposed to f- definitely a lot of topics yeah, a lot of instead topics of zooming today. in on one or two things we definitely talked about a lot of different things in this episode so it was interesting it was fun yeah always fun talking to you all right marcus have a good night thank you very much everyone for listening this is uh face offs and fantasy podcast with sean and marcus hope to see you next time thanks everyone don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Face Off Fantasy. Have a good evening and a great week. Bye!